Hi, and welcome to episode number 14 of the Crypto Chick Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Tori Reese, the co-founder of Trust Token. Without further ado, let's get right to my interview with Tori. Enjoy. Hi, Tori. How are you? Doing well. How about you? Doing well, thanks. So, Tori, I recently saw you speak here during New York Blockchain Week at the Fluidity Summit, and that was really, really interesting. Um, You're the co-founder of Trust Token, so you were speaking about uh, stablecoins, basically, right? Yeah, the the topic of of the talk was uh, programmable currency. And it's funny, I, I kind of took a I took I did an experiment where I, I took a chance and I gave the audience four choices about what uh, what topic I could I could speak towards. And of course they picked the topic that is that was completely focused on like the future and things that aren't yet here or available. So it was it was pretty funny, but I should have expected that. Right, definitely. Well, how about how about you first kind of tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do at Trust Token as the co-founder? So uh, let's see. Uh, I started uh, with this team back uh, at the beginning of, of 2018. Uh, at that point, the business had just had recently pivoted away from uh, the original direction, which was focused on uh, revolutionizing the, the trust industry, but. We had uh, we found each other because we agreed that the future of the world looked something like uh, lots of the world's assets trading on public blockchains, and so they had uh, been working on this project uh, for just a, a few months before we met. And when we started working on it together, it was just before we launched our first product, which was TrueUSD, and that was a, a tokenized form of the U.S. dollar. You know, it was a really great experience. You know, my co-founders are people that I share uh, a lot of views of the future with and, and just hypotheses around what the future will look like. And so finding some like-minded people that you can work really well with and complement each other from a skill set perspective is a really rare thing. And so to answer your question, my focus is uh, on the business development side. So I focus on our partnerships and and the, a lot of the commercialization of the technology that we're bringing to market. Right, and you mentioned that you're that you had this vision of a tokenized version of the U.S. dollar. So basically, that's a stablecoin, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's um, we we viewed it a little bit differently because we viewed it through the lens of you know the majority of the value, for example, on uh, public stock exchanges like. New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, is really represented by real-world assets like real estate or you know, currencies, things like that. And so our view was that if we could represent those assets on a blockchain, that would be huge, much, much larger than, than even the digital assets that were there at the time, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, so we just saw the US dollar as the low-hanging fruit. We, it, you know, we had seen what Tether had done, and we saw that there was a massive opportunity to do it ten times better. And so that that was that was our our thinking at the time. Right. And during your speech at Fluidity Summit, you mentioned that developing nations could possibly benefit the most from stablecoins. So I'm kind of curious to hear your take on the best use cases for stablecoins and why developing nations might actually benefit the most from them. Yeah, definitely. So we've done pretty extensive 
field research and customer development, speaking with customers and partners. And uh, initially, you know, we thought that there would be a lot of adoption in the first world and, uh, you know, places like the you know, U.S., et cetera. And, and there has been significant adoption there. But the places where we've found it creates the most value are places like Argentina or Hong Kong, Korea. Uh, and, you know, these are places where there's capital controls in place. You know, for example, in Korea, uh, you can only move $10,000 out of the country at a time. And so if you're a child, let's say, is born in Korea, but going to this you know, school in the United States, even paying their tuition uh, becomes very difficult. And, you know, we've seen that True USD helps people that have uh, these needs for either, uh, like in the case of Argentina, you need banking because your your currency is fluctuating wildly. Or in Korea, you, you know, you have trapped capital and you need the ability to send larger amounts to, to pay for school or whatever the case may be. And in all these places, and, and those aren't necessarily developing, that's more examples of where it's where it's creating value in the developed world. In the developing world, it's it's even more so because you have virtually no financial infrastructure, right? You don't have banks that you can trust. You don't have credit facilities. You don't really have anything. And yet a stable coin gives you access to essentially a global banking stack. Right. And is TrueUSD being used already in any of these nations or places? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, we've seen uh, really. I mean, it's being used all around the world. There's 30 percent of our usage comes from the United States, uh, but then another 30 percent is is coming from Europe and 30 percent in Asia, and then the remainder is coming from from South America. And you know, it's almost every country within those continents. Uh, so it just depends. The use cases depend on. The, the needs of those individuals. So the, the kind of banking the unbanked use case is actually happening. Because if you hold true USD in your you know, Ethereum wallet, you're effectively being banked by you know, a US bank. Like you have access to trustworthy banking, you know your dollars are safe. Right. And then what blockchain are you guys operating on? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, we launched initially on Ethereum exclusively, uh, but we're currently having... Uh, extensive conversations with other blockchains uh, about releasing versions of our tokenized currencies or true currencies on their blockchains. So Tori, you mentioned during your speech at Fluidity that you um, had a meeting with Facebook about stable coins. Can you talk a little bit about that meeting or is it top secret? <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, I, I can speak about it. But unfortunately, um, it's more of a it's more of a joke kind of amongst the team. That uh, any you know any meeting we have with Facebook is just about as one sided as a conversation with let's say you know by yourself. It's it's literally a, you know they they ask a lot of great questions. I mean we we you know personally know quite a few people on on their team. However, they are really treating that project with an unbelievable degree of secrecy. And uh, so you know obviously you can intuit some things based on their questions. But when it comes to actually sharing information, uh, it, it's it's almost always a one side conversation, and it, it's hard to believe you can have you know a forty five or sixty minute conversation where you know one side doesn't share a single thing about themselves. But but that's been <laughs> that's been our experience every time. 
Right. Well, that's interesting because obviously everyone seems interested in what Facebook is doing with cryptocurrency. And and wait, so what exactly, because I, I see the titles and the headlines, I've never personally covered this. So what exactly is Facebook doing or what are they interested in doing as far as you know? Um, so there, there has been a lot of speculation and I can, I can speak towards that. I, I don't think that, you know, they've confirmed, I, I think there has been some steps like you know, recently there was an announcement that it looks like they're going to have the center for the financial operations for their, this WhatsApp initiative in London. Uh, and I think that's something that they publicly acknowledged. But in terms of like the actual details behind the stable coin that they're planning to issue, uh, it's pretty, pretty, you know, sparse. Uh, what, what has been speculated and, and what, you know, has been shared uh, is that it, it could be a bundle of currencies that they use to provide a stable coin, uh, but that's you know based on a, an underlying diversified basket, and that's actually a really interesting thing because I mean it's something that you know we all need to realize here is that uh, you know Facebook is larger than than almost any single nation state in the world today. You know their, their quote unquote population uh, and their user base is larger and in many ways more engaged than than any single governments uh, in the world. Uh, and so their ability to roll out their own currency uh, and and gain, you know, they have the, the built-in distribution and perhaps, I mean, it's kind of a scary thought, but they also have the most advanced, you know, know your customer infrastructure because they know everything about you already. So it's it's pretty wild to think that you know, they, they, there is the potential there for them to almost overnight become, uh, you know, effectively a, a bank, like a global bank. Right. That's kind of scary. I mean, but you make a good point with the, the KYC, the know your customer. I mean, they know everything about everyone who's using <laughs> Facebook and a lot of people are using Facebook and that's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty scary. And there's also some, some pretty huge, um, implications, for, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversations recently around modern mod- monetary theory uh, and, you know, what's possible uh, in terms of, you know, currency. If you view, basically, if you view currency as a public monopoly for a government and unemployment, you know, as, uh, as evidence that the, you know, the monopolist is restricting the supply, it's basically like this idea that, um, that I, I think is, is, is very controversial, but also very powerful. And I think a lot of the, the threat behind it, um, I think could be realized if, if the, if, for example, a quote unquote global currency was rolled out and was backed by a number of different currencies, but the full implications of, you know, the various interest rates and monetary policies of the countries underlying that basket aren't thought through, there could actually be massive unintended consequences that could hurt a lot of people. And so to be honest, the fear I have is, um, is not like a competitive one. Like I, I don't, you know, I think we're operating in very different sectors and we're also starting to work on use cases that I don't think, you know, have any interest to Facebook, but, but what does scare me is, um, the, the unintended consequences that if they're not fully thought through, we could end up with a situation like the most recent election where, you know, Facebook had a lot of unintended consequences in influencing that election. And I think when you start to move from, you know, let's say national politics and, and, you know, to a certain extent geopolitics to this, which is like global monetary policy, which has an even larger impact on, on, uh, on geopolitics. Um, I think that's, that's scary. I mean, the scale of these platforms is just 
massive, right? And so their ability to do both good and bad is, is amplified. Right, definitely. That's a really good point. Um, I'm curious though, when you say you met with Facebook, now was this like a one-on-one meeting with Mark Zuckerberg or, or what was it like? You know, maybe they gave a presentation, you were in the room. I mean, what exactly happened and why did they want to speak with you and your team? Yeah. Well, uh, so there's, uh, I don't want to name names, but there's, uh, there's a couple people on, on the, the Facebook team that we're just close with. Uh, and we've both, you know, multiple co-founders on the team have interacted with, and, uh, both, you know, personally, but also professionally. And so the conversations are, you know, one-on-one or one-on-two or two-to-two type conversations. But like I said, you know, I think they're very professional in the sense that, you know, they're under, I'm sure, very strict internal guidelines in terms of what's appropriate to share versus not share. So although, you know, it might be, you know, an hour long one-on-one conversation, uh, you know, not a single detail is really shared from their side. I mean, they ask lots of really great questions about our business, but uh, share very little about theirs. Uh, and, and again, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not like, you know, I'm sitting in the room with Mark having this conversation, but, <laughs> but we are, we are dealing with the, the members who are, uh, you know, leading, uh, the team there at, at Facebook. So, uh, and we see them at lots of, uh, events as well. Right. Are they just basically picking you and your team's brain about what a stable coin is and how it can be used properly and all of that? Is that basically what's going on there? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. There, that was a kind of an open joke that was amongst the community when they first started um, the team. Cause again, the, their blockchain team is fairly young. This all happened, uh, you know, fairly recently, but in the very beginning they, they, you know, they basically, because they're Facebook, I mean, they can get, you know, meetings with anyone and they were just kind of reaching out to all of us and, uh, and, you know, just pricking everybody's brains. Like, Hey, what do you think about this? What are you doing? What, if you could do anything, what would you do? Like very much like, um, and I thought they did a great job. Like they went out, they accumulated a lot of knowledge of everything happening in the space. And then they kind of went back to the mothership to, to sort of work on whatever project they're, they're working on. And I, I think overall, I, I just, I do have faith that like the people on the team are good people. I just hope that, and obviously we'll therefore have like the best intentions. I just really hope that they think through all the potential unintended consequences as well. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, I'm curious to know more about the project when um, details are released. They, they aren't really talking to anyone. So yeah, it's likewise. good that they are. It's, it's good. They're talking to you guys, except it sounds like you're kind of just talking to yourselves and they're listening, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, I'm sure they'll, they'll we'll, we'll learn a lot more pretty soon. And, uh, mm-hmm. and who knows, I mean, it might start really, really, really small scale uh, and then roll out. I mean, that, that that's, I think their MO. So we'll, we'll see how Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, stable coins again and what you guys are doing with stable coins. So uh, you said something during um, your your talk that um, stable coins are kind of like a basket of currencies. Did I understand that right? Or not, um, what did you? Uh, not exactly. That that was so the part of my speech where I was talking about you know future applications of of stable coins. So that's one of the potential. Um, you know, what one thing you could do is actually have like an algorithmically balanced basket of currencies that's backing a stable coin. And then you could, you know, save, spend, et cetera, that actual coin. And you could even have an algorithm that's doing some amount of interest rate arbitrage to ensure that you're earning, you know, the highest interest rate available on the open market. Um, and so I do think there are a lot of really interesting things that can be done there. 
but that's under the category of you know future applications. No, no one is actually doing that today. Yeah. So Tori, in terms of categories, how many categories are there with stable coins and what are those categories exactly? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, broadly, there's three categories, you know, tokens that are backed by, uh, you know, real world assets. So, for example, it can be the U.S. dollar or, you know, another foreign currency or even gold. Uh, or there are uh, coins that are backed by crypto assets. So, like MakerDAO's DAI stablecoin is actually backed by a basket of digital assets, and then they issue it based on that collateral. Uh, and then the third category, which doesn't exist today, and so it's, it's still kind of theoretical, is what's called an algorithmic stablecoin, where uh, it's actually backed by uh, almost a version of the you know the Federal Reserve that's sort of written into the code. So there's an issuance and redemption of of digital bonds, and it almost mimics the ability of the government to stabilize its currency, but does so entirely in in code, and therefore it's not tied to any government and it kind of exists in its own little uh, economic sphere. And there was, I, I think, and I forget the name of the company. Wasn't there another company doing that? The algorithmic, oh, sorry, I can't speak English. <laughs> Wasn't there another company doing that? The last category? Yeah, yeah, there was. There, um, there, it was called Basis and they actually ended up uh, yes. having to, to shut down, unfortunately. But I, I actually loved that that team. And, and I love the, the idea. I mean, it, it was very futuristic and utopian to be sure, but I was really hopeful that, that they could pull it off. So unfortunately, no, no one yet has pulled it off and, and there are only a few teams that are still working on it, but uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting model. And also, you know, in terms of stable coins, what other projects out there do you find interesting? And what other projects do you, do you find not so interesting or not maybe so legit. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think something that your audience should definitely check out is uh, there's there's a handful of companies that are, uh, you know, they're doing what I would call crypto collateralized lending. Um, and there's a few that are doing, you know, mobile-based micro lending in various parts of the world. And the way that they're raising capital for their lending operations is via crypto rails. And so there's actually this really, there's a great opportunity that exists kind of early on in these companies' lives where they're offering pretty generous uh, spreads because they still have a high cost of capital. And you as the user can, can like, you know, you deposit your true USD and then you'll earn anywhere from, you know, six to 10% uh, annualized interest on your true USD, which itself is not volatile. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, anything happening to it. Um, and you can withdraw it at almost any time and, uh, or really at any time, but there, there is one company where, or there's two, two of the companies that offer, you know, they lock it up for three to six months, whereas the, there are some others where they allow instant withdrawals. But, um, you know, I have a ton of my own money actually earning that interest right now. And it's really great because it's better than any, you know, high yield savings account, but has a, a lot of, uh, again, it's fully collateralized loans. And, and you know, so there's a lot of uh, guarantees uh, behind it. And I know all the teams obviously behind these projects. So I obviously have higher trust, I think, than, than many people outside the space. Um, but I do think for purely from like a personal finance standpoint, it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Right. And, and you come from a finance background, right? No, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I don't come from a finance background. I, uh, I've been teaching financial literacy classes for 
about six years. And, you know, my last company before this one was a financial technology company. Um, but I myself, you know, didn't go work at a bank or, or anything like that. It's actually just been something of a, of a personal uh, obsession and fascination of mine. Okay. And then in terms of projects that, you know, aren't so interesting or might not be the most legit, uh, can you name, name at least one of those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would say, you know, today you, you do need to be pretty careful where you put your money. The space is still, uh, there are still a few bad apples. I would say, let me think if I had to name, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I can name names, but I would say, <laughs> I would say, be careful of uh, any of these. Like, there's a lot of these sketchy um, overseas companies that are still running like some variation of uh, a Ponzi scheme, uh, you know, and they're offering, you know, either sweepstake like games or casino like or or just wild like outrageous returns. If it's something like one percent per day or something ridiculous, almost always those are going to be a scam. Uh, and so I would just avoid all of those just categorically. Right. Yeah, I agree. Actually, it's funny, and I don't know why I thought of this, but I did. I was in London recently for some blockchain conference, and I met this this team of people, and I said, what do you do? Because they had an interesting looking booth with a whale. <laughs> and they, they were like, they were like, we're an end-to-end solution for prostitution. What? And I, I was like, excuse, yeah, 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 a dead serious. And they had a booth and everything with a whale. I said, excuse me, because I didn't think I heard them correctly. And he said it again. I was like, oh, so you're like putting prostitution on the blockchain. So, anyways, when you said <laughs> sketchy and overseas, like I thought of that. I, it's not a stable coin, at least I don't think so. Maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe they're calling themselves a stablecoin. I'm not going to name names, but um, yeah, I feel like that's a that's a red flag right there. Yeah, that's so <laughs> funny. Um, it was pretty funny. Yeah, there's there's still there will always be bad apples in every industry, so you got to just you know keep keep your uh, your skeptic hat on at all times. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Well, Tori, I know that we're running low on time. So do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with the listeners before we um, end the interview? Yeah, I would just say right now, there's a lot of uh, exciting things happening. And, and, you know, the good news I can tell you from going to lots of meetups in the space is that although there are still bad apples, like we just talked about, I think there's a lot fewer than there was uh, one or, or even two years ago when there was all the kind of crypto madness going on. And so I'd actually say, ironically, now is a better time than ever to get involved in the space if it's something you're interested in. Um, you know, there's a lot of really smart people building very interesting uh, things. And uh, so, you know, don't hesitate to reach out whether you want to, uh, you'd be interested in working with us or another company. You know, this is a very collaborative, uh, tight knit industry. So, you know, it's 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 definitely time to strike while the iron is hot. Right, agreed. And Tori, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter at the Tori, and that's uh, at t h e e t o r y. Um, or feel free to you know shoot me an email, uh, just Tori at trusttoken dot com. Uh, always happy to to help however I can. Cool. Well, thanks, Tori. This has been super interesting. It's always a pleasure speaking with you and. I'm sure I will be seeing you around the Bay Area. Yeah, definitely. Enjoy the rest of your time in New York. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Tori Reese and his recent projects. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. 
You can also reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. See you guys next time. Thanks.